Hello, I'm John Mercy and you're listening to the Banking Analyst Podcast. Log on to thebankinganalyst.com where I share my latest research on US banking stocks. You can also learn the fundamentals of the banking industry, including valuation, in the basics section of the website. Thanks for tuning in and without further ado, let me welcome you to this episode. In this episode, we're talking about Bank of America's first quarter results for 2020. Bank of America reported $3.5 billion in profits for the first quarter of 2020, halving on an year-on-year basis driven by $4.7 billion of provisions. While net interest income stalled, trading incomes jumped, helping the bank record a growth in revenues. The best news was in something which many investors ignore, deposits. Bank of America's deposit franchise, the biggest in the US, is so good that customers flock to its safety. Let me go into the numbers in a bit more detail. Revenues ticked up 2% quarter-on-quarter thanks to trading income. Net interest income, or NII, half of which is contributed by the consumer banking franchise, was flat sequentially as the Fed's recent rate cuts started biting. Net interest margins contracted 8 basis points quarter-on-quarter in the consumer division. More pain is coming in the second quarter as the rates fully trickle down into the asset base unless it is partially offset by better inflows into non-interest-bearing deposits. Fee income to suffer sequentially across the board with the exception of investment and broking services which grew 5% thanks to more trading activity from clients. Asset management income grew emphasizing its importance as a stable and recurring source of income. The first quarter saw inflows of $7 billion, though market corrections brought down client balances by 13% quarter-on-quarter to a still high $2.7 trillion. Card income was a major fee casualty, down 16%, which is unsurprising given that customers are staying indoors and not spending as much due to shelter-in-place orders apart from the impact of fee waivers. Things would have been much worse had the trading unit not supported the top line. The franchise recorded profits of $2.8 billion, a billion more than last quarter, though roughly the same as the first quarter of 2019. While it's nice to have all this money coming in, I'm alarmed at the reports of Bank of America managers asking trading desk staff to attend office. Reports say that 1 in 20 employees in the trading unit attended office. Putting employee lives at risk to make money is not great culture. Actually, it's crazy when you hear that this happened in New York, now the epicenter of COVID-19. A New York Times report quoted one of the employees as saying that he knows of at least 10 confirmed or likely cases in the same floor where traders sit. Amid all the bad news, one thing stood out. The rock-solid deposit franchise at $1.5 trillion dollars Bank of America's deposit base is the largest in the US and is the source of its core competitive advantage. Deposits grew 11% just this quarter, with more than half of it flowing into non-interest-bearing deposits, which grew a massive 20%. The proportion of non-interest-bearing deposits now stands at 32.4%, rising 240 basis points quarter-on-quarter. While the deposit jump of $149 billion is partly driven by customers drawing down commitments, this explains only half of the net flows. Global banking raked in more than $90 billion, 
consumer unit more than $30 billion, while Wealth Division managed to bring in around $20 billion. Customers trust Bank of America with their money in this troubled time thanks to its strong capital base. Look back to 2008 and 2009 when the bank had to be bailed out, receiving $45 billion in funding and more than $100 billion in guarantees. In a near-zero rate environment, customers do not differentiate too much between interest-bearing and non-interest-bearing deposits, and thus the flow into non-interest-bearing deposits will be a key metric to watch out for. Better inflows will offset part of the asset yield contraction. Cost control has been one of Bank of America's core focus areas. Operating expenses rose 2% year-on-year and efficiency ratio deteriorated 170 basis points. The management did not provide an update to the previous 2020 operating expense guidance of mid $53 billion, but implied that employee costs might tick up given the need to pay higher compensation for those who take higher risk while also halting the planned headcount reductions till the end of the year. Let's see how asset quality metrics have turned out. The bank made a provision of $4.8 billion during the quarter, of which $3.6 billion was purely for reserve built. Accumulated provisions now stand at 1.5% of loans outstanding, up more than 50 basis points compared to the last quarter, including a 30 bips impact from CECL accounting regulations. Stock of non-performing assets rose 13% quarter on quarter, but overall NPS continued to be benign at just 42 basis points and net charge-offs were just 46 basis points. However, on the commercial side, criticized exposures jumped $5.9 billion quarter on quarter to $17.4 billion. This was 0.75% of the commercial book and the deterioration was seen across industries. On the consumer side, thanks to repayment deferrals, asset quality issues are yet to be seen. But the bank expects losses to increase later this year and potentially into 2021, though the government stimulus for individuals and small businesses is likely to offset part of these losses. A discussion on shareholder returns and regulatory capital levels are very important in this tough environment. On March 15th, all the banks, including Bank of America, halted share repurchases until the end of the second quarter of 2020. The bank had already bought back stocks worth $6.4 billion during the quarter until then. Bank of America might not resume buybacks this year, but it has the capacity to repurchase at an annual rate of $5 billion over the next several years without hitting the CET1 regulatory floors. Due to the high loan loss provisioning this quarter, the bank's CET1 ratio fell 40 basis points quarter-on-quarter quarter to 10.8%. If the provisions are not enough, and the bank goes for another quarter of high credit costs, it is highly likely that the bank will still continue to hold CET1 ratio about 10%. I believe that the bank will continue to earn much about its dividend payouts, and hence they are safe and secure. Here are my thoughts on valuation. Last time I wrote about the bank, the stock was trading around $34, and I believe that it was in fair value territory then, though with a downward bias. But now things have changed. A lot. Expected credit costs have shot up and Bank of America could end this year with three to four times the credit costs witnessed in 2019. If 2020 and 2021 turn out to be quite bad, I do not see the stock retracing its old highs anytime soon. The stock currently trades at $23, which is 1.2 times my estimate of one year forward tangible book value. This compares to a 15-year average of 1.5 times which is also largely justified by a return on tangible book value approach. 
So Bank of America is a good stock to buy at $23, but I would prefer Wells Fargo at this point over Bank of America. Disclaimers. This podcast is aimed at informing listeners about my views on the stocks mentioned. Please use this as only one of the many sources you consider while making the investment decision. Kindly consult your financial advisor before taking buy-sell-hold decisions. I will not be liable for the investment actions taken based on this podcast. I own no positions in the stocks mentioned. I created this podcast myself and it expresses my own opinions. I am not receiving compensation for it. I have no business relationship with any company whose stock is mentioned in this podcast.